where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. The welcome, the grace, surprise. Where was the extravagance? Where did it show up? Compassion. Because you're talking about an event. What happened that's leading you to use those words? Celebration. Celebration. The watering cans. Yeah, the watering cans. What else? Sharing of the knowledge. Forgiveness. Who sh who showed forgiveness? The community. The community. Yeah, you liked that first story, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. You know the second one by heart, probably. Even if you've this is your first time in church, I'm sure you've heard about the prodigal son, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Because instead of in the story of the villages, instead of retaliation, what was there was restoration to a place where knowledge hadn't been passed down about how to farm and how to grow beautiful, sweet melons. The other village brought nurture, showed them a way. Where retaliation would have been justified, would have been probably normal. There was another way put forward by, and yes, I did smile, by the person named Song. And then in our scripture story today, that familiar story of two sons where the younger one goes out and invests in things that don't last and he squanders all of his inheritance and comes back humiliated and humble and confessing that he's sinful. He's not met with rejection. He's met with rejoicing and celebrating. And the older son, who had been there all along, who's feeling a little neglected, is similarly met with the extravagance of the father, with nurture. Son, everything I have is yours. You have been here with me all along, and I love you. So not met with neglect, but even he got some of the father's attention that day. It's pretty extravagant, don't you think? We're told the first story happened. I'm not sure if the second one did, but it could. Did it happen in your life? Is it part of your story or your family's story? Or could it be? And keep in mind the backstory of the scripture, because preceding this story was the grumbling that our choir sang about, that the Pharisees and the scribes, the insiders, were struggling to understand and support why Jesus 
was being so extravagant, why he was hanging out and eating with tax collectors and sinners. Why was he socializing with those people, with those outsiders? They're kind of being like the older son, right? And what follows this grumbling is what's known as three lost and found parables. But what if those parables were named triple extravagance? Here's what they would sound like. Here's what we might hear differently. The first one is the lost sheep. You've heard that one, right? So a shepherd has 100 sheep, 99 are right where they're supposed to be, one has gone missing, and the shepherd goes to find the one that's missing. I'm not sure a shepherd would really do that. Now, I've been watching Yellowstone, and I'm pretty sure they don't go after that one that's missing when there's 1,500 in place. But this shepherd does. And when it finds it, it picks it up, carries it into town, tells all the neighbors about it, and throws a big party. That's extravagant, isn't it? And then there's a story about the woman who loses a coin. She's got 10 silver coins, and she's lost one. Again, she still has 90%. But she goes looking for that one coin. She tears up the house looking for it. And when she finds it, she tells her neighbors, she calls everybody together and say, look what I found. Have you ever ran to your neighbor's house when you found the key to your car after you lost it or your phone? I mean, do you even tell anyone? Do you even admit you lost it? It's a daily occurrence now for some of us. We, maybe we should throw parties. It would be a lot more fun. And then the parable about the two sons. I renamed it for this morning. The parable of the two sons. You know what happens. One goes, spends it all. The other one stays, comes home. Huge party. Still still in the distance. It's like the father looks out the window every day, waiting for this son to come home. Sees him out in the distance. Remember in Advent, those of you who were with us on Ash Wednesday, we said, you know, all we have to do is take couple steps. We take one step, God takes seven. Well, in this story, we take one step, God comes running, embraces, kisses, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a big party. That's extravagant. My friend Milton, who lives in Connecticut, is always good at reminding me that the naming came later when it came to scripture. The name of these parables came later, because we know that one as the prodigal son, but really when it comes to God's love, God is the prodigal. We've come to think of prodigal as wasting things, right? Wasting the money, going out and living high on the hog, nothing to show for it at the end of the day. God is even more extravagant. Look at all the different kinds of flowers and birds there are. 
trying to get our attention for what beauty is and what matters in the world. Look at all the ways that God has reached out to try and love us through people. Maybe not the people we want to love us, but the people who do. Look at all that's been provided. Look at all the love that comes our way. So many times it just, I don't even notice, do you? Or maybe you notice it in retrospect, wow, I didn't deserve all that. Look what I got. It's the difference between when giving becomes an act of gratitude and giving out of guilt. When you notice all the love that comes your way, you give out a gratitude. Because, wow, I didn't deserve any of this. I'm not going to hold it back. Why would I? God didn't hold back. The people that taught me about God didn't hold back. The people that showed me what God was like didn't hold back. Why should I? God's love is extravagant always. To the righteous, it seems wasteful. At the very least, unearned. I'm not saying that's not true, but that doesn't stop God, thank God. To Jesus, though, the one who's being faithful to the God that he knows, he is lavish and liberal. He's rich and bountiful. He's generous without restraint. Which love do you know? Which love do you offer? This week, we're going to think about extravagant love. And as we walk through it, practice it. Notice what comes easily and what is more challenging. Where do you give freely and where do you pause and hold back? With things like time, things like money, skills and resources. This is how you grow good melons. Connections. I hear you're looking for a place to live. I know someone who has a place. Other things, less tangible, like affection, inclusion, forgiveness, mercy, gratitude, making space for others to shine, Encouragement. These are all ways of being extravagant. If we wait for ourselves and others to earn it, we may never get the chance to be extravagant. But if we practice it, we may become it. How has extravagant love been offered to you? Again, let go of where you wanted it to come from and think about where it really did come from. I have to tell you that the wildfire in Boulder, the current wildfire in Boulder, 
has reminded me of how much extravagant love I learned as a child in the woods behind my house. Strange as it may sound, I felt so loved by those trees and that pond and those tadpoles. I felt so free. It's more than refuge. It's extravagant that God would be able to find even me with a tree. So come on. How has God found you? The unearned, undeserved, over-the-top, generous love. Like the person named Song who said, let's invest in restoration and nurture and not violence or retaliation. Like the prodigal parent who looks for us each day, runs out to meet us, rejoices and throws a big party. That's the kind of God, that's the kind of love our God offers. That's the kind of love that Jesus offers. It's love you can count on.